everybody! Welcome to the world's greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be taking a look at Spidey Comics from March of 1989. Yes! And we're joined by G.I. Julie. Hi! Woo! Alright! And Bex Luthor. I'm also here. Hello. Yeah. Always. Oh, not almost always. <laughs> not always. Sometimes. And making his, I believe, third appearance on the show with no comic book superhero name, Phil. (laughs) (laughs) We need to get you a superhero name. We'll think of something. Yeah. We'll work on that in the next hour or so. So, yeah, uh, Phil, we've already talked about your background with Spidey before, so we don't need to go into that. But I do want to ask you, before you read these comics, did you have any knowledge of a fellow named Todd McFarlane? Um, yeah, only from you, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> only from you talking about him um, over the years, but that's it. Uh, okay. I don't know if I've had really a lot of exposure, to be honest. So this is the first time you've seen his art? Uh, I've, I think I've seen it before, but I, don't, I really honestly have no idea where I've seen it before. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, this is a, a good sampling because um, not only, okay, so at this time, Web of Spider-Man was drawn by Alex Saviak for, oh my God, at least five years, if not seven years uh, straight. And Sal Buscema drew Spectacular Spider-Man for even longer. Um, so this was kind of like, you know, the state-of-the-art Spider-Man comics of the day. And then McFarlane came in and had this radically different style, which we'll talk about when we get to Amazing. But for now, we're going to talk about Web of Spider-Man which is in the middle of a major storyline where the second Hobgoblin is brought back. And in this storyline, he is his physical appearance is altered. And one of the things I actually sent to Phil in the email was the last two pages of the previous chapter in the story, which was Spectacular Spider-Man 147. Or, or yeah, 147. And the reason I sent it to you, Phil, I don't want to say why I sent it, but do you can you guess why I, I made sure that I sent those images? Did you notice something about this issue of Web of Spider-Man? Um, I don't recall. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and I'll spoil I can't it. pull it up on my phone at, at the okay. moment. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but in the first the first time Hobgoblin appears in this comic, he looks completely different from the last page of Spectacular Spider-Man. In the last page of Spectacular Spider-Man by Sal Buscema, he's drawn as an actual demon, like with a real demon face. Even after he takes off his hobgoblin mask, he has a demon face, which is the point. In this comic, he has a human face with demon eyes. So these Sp- <clears throat> Spider-Man comics were kind of, you know, being rushed out on a monthly basis. basis. And so there was no internet. So obviously Alex Savick is drawing his comic on one side of town. Sal Sem is drawing it on the other or maybe in a different state. And obviously they didn't communicate well and this is what we're left with. So anyway, we can talk about that later. But Josh is going to tell us what happens in this yeah. issue of Web of Spider-Man. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Only if you want to. Okay. Uh, all right. So we're picking up where we left off last issue. Um Inferno is making everything all weird in New York. Empire State Building's like growing and full of like monsters and looks like put together with random stuff. Um, 
The Daily Bugle has been attacked, as has every building in New York, essentially. Um, and the members of the Daily Bugle are there kind of protecting themselves and fending off the building. Spidey shows up to help his friends and co-workers. And he is like bitten on the side and he's bleeding out. So the Daily Bugle um, are helping to heal Spidey back up. And uh, he's able to rapidly heal. Which is wasn't like a big Spidey thing, right? Is that like one of his no, powers? No, like, it's not. <laughs> I assume he. I assume he like he can like recover from like dangerous things, maybe more than other people, like more life threatening things, possibly. But I've never known him to have like super healing, super fast no, healing. So he, that was weird. I don't know if that's an inferno thing yeah. or not. But uh, he wakes up after everybody's kind of patching him up and he's still hallucinating and thinks that everybody is demons. So he webs up JJ and he crashes through the window and escapes. Um, and the first thing that's on his mind is he's got to go save MJ. She's at her modeling shoot and she's kind of like taken charge of everybody there and has like helped destroy a lot of these demons that are popping up. Um, so he's on his way to that building. We catch up with Gloria Grant and um lobo edward eduardo lobo they're going through the mall or maybe they're they've sorry they've escaped the mall at this point uh so they're running away through a construction site and this forklift comes to life and lobo's got to destroy it and uh gloria realizes that she's in love with him and they kiss in the middle of all this pandemonium we cut over to the kingpin for some reason and he punches a dragon to death and tells uh a ranger to arrange it so nobody comes to get him i guess uh <laughs> because he's gotta <laughs> fight daredevil or something anyways we cut over to uh central park um We've got Hobgoblin looking at himself and his reflection. Um, he's like scared. He doesn't know what the heck's going on. He's like recapping uh, his like meetup with this head demon from last issue that turned him into a real Hobgoblin. And he looks behind him and he sees the lizard running around, which doesn't make any sense in this issue or with the context of the next one. So whatever that's fine yeah he uh he rubs his demon dies he puts his mask back on and he starts chasing spidey uh spidey goes to the building where mj was and realizes that they started escaping through like the sewer grate so he goes down into the sewer and he's following them there um mj and the crew are like trudging through the 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 grime and the like the mud and gunk starts like coming to life and grabbing them so they have to start fighting that uh we cut over to aunt may and christy uh which is uh mary jane's little niece and uh she's been dropped off at aunt may's while peter and mj are like fighting off these demons harry stops by to say what's up and um Aunt May's like, oh, I thought that that you were that Peter was with you. Oh, I'm I'm nervous now because there seems to be something going on uh 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 downtown. So she's nervous. Uh Spidey and Hobgoblin start fighting each other. 
because Hobgoblin's got demon energy, he's like able to overpower Spidey. Um, and MJ comes up with this plan to uh, uh, get rid of the monsters and the cop goblin after finding out that their weakness is like flash or like bright lights. So one of the photographers there starts flashing his uh, camera lens while MJ starts like ripping off pieces of her dress and lighting them on fire. And she starts like a gas leak to make this big explosion. Uh, she ends up running up to Hobgoblin and lighting his cape on fire. And because of that, he, he is able to like lose control and Spider-Man throws him into the gas, causing this huge explosion. Uh, everybody is able to make it out of the sewer safely. And, um, Aunt May decides that she's going into the city to go see if Peter and MJ are okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So I, I also want to pr- uh, quickly say uh, for Phil, um, Inferno mm-hmm. was a crossover event going on, you know, at the time. It was, I think, only the second time Marvel had done this. But they, the X-Men, uh, X-Factor, New Mutants had a story that was all involved with demons and uh, limbo and blah, blah, blah. And what they did was they allowed it to all happen in New York so that all the other superheroes could kind of interact with it. But I always just call it the last act of Ghostbusters happening in Marvel, right? That's mm. pretty much what it is. So with that context, again, I picked this up as a kid without any understanding of what was going on in X-Men or anything like that, but I read it as a kid and I had no problem getting into it. But uh, what's your impression of this issue, just reading it for the first time? Uh, well, it, it's like you say, there's a, a lot going on. I mean, a, a lot of what Josh was describing there happened before Midpoint. So it was just... <laughs> madness you know what i mean like you got what is this listen to this list you got demons you got hallucinations you got uh eduardo lobo raging against the machines here you got a cameo (laughs) by fisk uh you got mj in the Uh sewers aunt may loving harry osborne it's just uh, all over the place so yeah it's quite the jumping off point so when i first started reading i was like what in the world Mm-hmm. What is happening here? I obviously missed a whole lot of information before coming on to this. And I thought, well, you know, I was thinking at first, you know, it's just too much all at once without having all the backup background. But, you know, uh, by the end of it, I, I was completely turned around. Like, it was just like a very action-packed issue. I thought it was really well put together. Uh, I really liked uh, the banter between uh, MJ and uh, and Spidey. I thought that kind of uh, brought it uh, to light a little bit, their their relationship. I like it when that happens uh, sort of in the middle of all this crazy action uh, mm-hmm. and the, how they work together. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I absolutely loved the cameo uh, by uh, Kingpin, uh, him <laughs> punching that demon into oblivion. I thought that was pretty sweet. Um, I, I kind of like that, and I especially like the humor in it where he just basically tells... Uh, whoever that guy is that's working for him just to he doesn't want any more interruptions as if this is like the regular day in the life of fisk you know as he's trying right. to get his work done you know he's trying to wheel and deal and demons are popping into his life um so yeah i thought it was pretty cool i thought the uh the the demons were a little on the cheesy side i figured this is probably written for like you know maybe a little bit of a younger crowd sure um they, they came off a bit cheesy but i mean uh, all in all, I thought it was pretty exciting. Awesome. Okay, well, we'll, we'll get to more of your comments later, but uh, Josh, what was your take on this one? Yeah. It was like, it was okay. 
Um, <laughs> it, it had a lot of weird parts, like, uh-huh. like, like the kingpin stuff and the lizard and Gloria. Um, I do like the stuff with Peter and MJ. I like MJ saving Peter, them working together is super fun. But there's just so many like weird detours that were going on for no reason. Kingpin and Daredevil don't show up again in the Inferno story for Spider-Man. It makes no sense that Kingpin is here whatsoever. It's so bad. Like they're tying this in so readers go and read daredevil fighting a demon vacuum yeah that's all he does right that's what he mm-hmm. does during inferno as we've learned on the podcast is that he fights a vacuum cleaner <laughs> so like that's what we stop the action here for is to show kingpin fighting a dragon and be like read daredevil inferno crossover mm-hmm. you're gonna love it kids and then uh-huh. we're back to uh, uh hobgoblin like looking at himself in the reflection uh, I don't know. It's it's got some um, pretty fun parts, but I, it was just so mm, it took too many weird detours, and it right. also didn't feel like necessarily the writers wanted to even tell the story. And it was like an inferno, like oh, you, we've got to. I guess we have to do something with inferno now, so mm-hmm. we'll do this. You know, I'll just say the last issue where they started this Hobgoblin story, I thought was really strong. Mm. This one was definitely more all over the place. Like they were jumping around. I did enjoy it, but I didn't I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as the previous issue. And so I'll definitely agree with, agree with you. And honestly, once they get into the sewer, I mean, other than seeing MJ kind of like take charge and save the day, I just didn't. It just kind of lost me there. Everything else I, I was okay with, but the sewer stuff I didn't like. And yeah. The, like, yeah, the Fisk stuff was just random. Although I do like touching, I do like the idea of like having Inferno going on and going, okay, now what's going on with Gloria Grant? Now what's going on with Kingpin? I don't mind that necessarily, like jumping around to the supporting characters. So I thought that was cool, but it might've been just a little bit too much. Uh, G.I. Jolie? Yeah, it feels like they just like needed, they're like, oh, okay, well, we're, we're still in Inferno. Um, and I know that a bunch of this stuff is happening. Um, but you still have to write more, right? Because you still have to tie. We still have to tie Spider-Man into the Inferno event, or whatever the hell is happening. Is it in X-Men? Is it in Daredevil? I don't know. No, the main it's story is in yeah X-Men. X-Men and New Mutants. But then it, okay. it, it's in New York, so all the New York superheroes. <laughs> it all started with that damn vacuum, right? <laughs> yes. yeah, vacuum. Yeah. So like whatever, it's fine. Um, because there's always um. Someone's always going to be like, oh, well, if these people are in the same universe or in the same damn city as this, then how come Spider-Man isn't here? Right. So this would be like, what is Spider-Man doing at the time uh-huh. of Inferno? Right. Cool. This answers a question. Does it answer it well? Mm, not as well as they could. And I, f- I feel terrible. Like, I don't feel terrible. I feel weird now saying this about this story because Jerry Conway has extracted such high praise from me before this mm-hmm. so i feel like there is a decent amount of meddling um crossover meddling going on here because it's just this isn't stuff that we like the the action the spider-man character action isn't any different from what happened last issue <coughs> it's sort of an extension that mm-hmm. is of no consequence to the main storyline Right. 
Yeah. 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 And I, I'm fine. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I'm cool with when they do like offshoots of whatever's going on in Spidey's life or like, but it just doesn't, I don't know. It feels like it doesn't fit. Last issue, I think, did a good job of telling that story of like what's going on and tying it in with uh harry osborne and like all things coming to life was fine i guess in parts and if they would were to just focus on hobgoblin jason mackendale dealing with like slowly becoming more and more of a demon and losing his like soul and then right peter is like struggling with like fighting one of his villains and trying to save this person that's being tormented because he also might know how how it feels since these demons are also in his head so he's kind of like that that sounds like soup like such a fun story um they could do so much with it i just think that they spend way too much time focusing on other things that don't really matter right now and Mm -hmm. we could just be telling a good kind of hobgoblin story where it's like a Jekyll and Hyde type thing where this thing is starting to take over and he's less of Jason and and more of uh, of the Hobgoblin at this point. Right. Um, You have literal demons running around the city of New York and you have someone turning into another demon and into a demon and you're not going to draw comparisons between the two things? Yeah. Kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, Becca? Bex Luthor. (laughs) Um... I would love to point out that the cover of this book says, plus a demonic encounter with the kingpin. And the kingpin <laughs> is on one page, and there is one demon, and he gets punched and dies. Um, I mean, I agree with Phil, it's the coolest. Just, yeah. It is cool. I mean, for a cameo, come on. That's but it's great. on the cover. Like, you're like, <laughs> oh, kingpin's a... in this one. Right. He yeah, is yeah. not in this one. A little bit it's of like, a bait and switch there, yeah. yeah. It's like Which, if they inch if they like advertise nick fury showing up at the first iron man movie right yeah like, they're like featuring right. nick fury he's got like and a like, huge spot on the cover of the yeah, exactly. he's on DVD. the poster yeah <laughs> yeah no i hate when that just always bothers me so much because i'm like oh this is why i would like the cover is why you pick something up and then it's just immediately a lie um but you know what he is in it, so good for them, I guess. Um, I think it's cool that they showed what he was doing, I guess, but also one page. Like, we didn't need to know what Gloria Grant and her not-werewolf boyfriend is doing. We could have had two pages of what Kingpin is doing. Um, or, like, maybe, because I know that the Kingpin and the Lobo brothers are, like, feuding, so maybe, like... right connect mm. it but it's just two disconnected pages from two characters that i know are going to fight later <laughs> so that's fine yeah i'm with you guys i wish there was more hobgoblin like exposition like i want to see jason completely break down and lose his humanity and freak right. out and spider-man freak out about it i feel like nobody's freaking out about the fact that this guy is a demon right spider-man's right. like whoa he's got powers all of a sudden better think of something else like right. peter dude he, he has powers all of a sudden. That's messed up. Right. <laughs> you should be concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the MJ stuff's the only good stuff. <laughs> I Like I'm, always. You're you're totally right, Becca. Both with the MJ stuff and the Hobgoblin stuff. 
because I was looking for that too. That kind of like exposition, exposition of like the it, like what is he gonna do now that he's a demon? But all we get from the hobgoblin is him recapping word for word what happened to him in the last issue as if he's telling this in like a bar to his friends yeah. like, like <clears throat> and then the demon's like hey you made me laugh and that's worth something and i said oh yeah. my god i'm a demon now like what yeah. are you doing you're literally narrating the lines of dialogue from right, the previous one. Right. it's so bad yeah, uh, yeah well, the only thing that changed was then he was like you know whose fault this really is spider-man's spider -Man. yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, okay, Jason, my boy. But no, that's it. That's all he does. I do want to point out the, the two things that are supposed to connect the other issues, but actually ruin continuity. One, the lizard running around outside <laughs> just ruins continuity completely. And two, Aunt May being like, I have to go into Manhattan to find Peter. And that they... They do not do that in the next one. Spoiler alert. We'll talk about that in a minute. That was a disaster. I, I love... What a waste I love, of a cliffhanger. I love that the lizard is just, like, standing there and then runs away. Like, he doesn't now, do anything to... To like, be fair, in the last issue of Amazing, if you remember, Kurt Connors did turn into the lizard briefly... Right. For just Inside a second. Inside a building. So I think that this is just a case of... He turns into the lizard and then later on turns back and then an amazing turns into the lizard again. That's how I, I took it. I assumed reading amazing that like last issue when we got that tease, it was like in between what's happening in amazing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like you maybe. could take you could take that panel and kind of slide mm -hmm. it in to like where he turns. Right. But. My thing for that is, know. in the last issue, he's turning into the lizard at the university. In this issue, he's in Central Park as the lizard. And then no in the sense. next issue, he's also in the university. Yeah. The same day <laughs> of the things happening. And he's That's back bad. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just a different... Maybe it's a demon lizard. Uh -huh. You know what? Maybe it's a second maybe, lizard. Maybe. Who knows? And they I just will never come back to it. I also love that Hobgoblin sees him like... I didn't, eh? A lizard the size of a man? <laughs> like, you just talked to a demon. What are you talking about? You saw a <laughs> building come to life and you're like, a lizard man? <laughs> this isn't right. <laughs> what I is going on? love every character in Spider-Man constantly being like, uh. just, wow, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. When li literally we know it's not. Like, <laughs> like the two panels ago, it's like, yeah, dude, you just talked to the Demon King, and he gave you demon powers, but yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy and who's like, a lizard, you just can't handle that. Had he never heard of the lizard before? Like, the lizard's been a thing. He had to have heard of him. I don't know. Um, so I also, uh, Phil, I want to jump back to you for a minute. I want to talk about this art by Alex Saviak. I'm assuming you're not familiar with him, but what did you think of the art on this issue? Oh, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I like the way that it was. Uh, I like the way that it was really kind of put together in between the panels and everything. It's it's not like a lot of the modern stuff that you see uh, now, where where right. you know they they really uh, kind of jump off the page. But I, I thought it was I thought it was really cool the way that uh, and as, especially like the the opening, um, if I'm remembering right, the the opening scene where where it's just like everybody's in um, what was it in the. Uh, um, the newsroom. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought that was really cool how they kind of jumped around and it really makes you kind of feel like you're part of whatever's going on. 
So yeah, I dug it. Now I, I want to point out that this, as usual, Alex Saviak is inked by Keith Williams. Um, I don't love the inks on this issue or any issue by Keith Williams. However, the cover was inked by Frank Giacoya, and I think the cover is stunning. I think it's perfect. Like the composition of the figures is perfect. The line work is perfect. Like it's just the perfect classic Marvel cover, you know? Like the Hobgoblin flying down and Spider-Man stepping away. It's just everything fits together. The shadow of Spider-Man on the wall, the rats, everything. But anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, it looks really great. And I have to say, you guys constantly set me up on this show with issues like this, which I always give the benefit of the doubt to the writer thinking, oh, yeah, this is all just coming together from like 14 different issues. Right. And uh, now after talking to you guys for like five minutes... <laughs> I realized that, oh, a bunch of shit was just thrown in for no reason. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Yeah. Depends it's, how you look at it. Depends how you look a, at it. It's a bummer, too, because I feel like, from what I remember, it was it was all, like, meshing pretty well up until this point. And then, like, even, like, connecting with each other, the three issues last week were, like, really coherent and worked mm -hmm. well together. And then these three issues, I felt didn't connect at all and didn't feel like it was part of the same event like it these could have been three issues from any time mm. well i think to be fair this eh, i guess you're right yeah because it's still inferno <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. true so it should fit together but it doesn't mm -hmm. and Yikes. last week did last week it did kind right. of feel like it connected besides the like aunt may stuff which didn't mm -hmm. even work well it doesn't really go from web to amazing to spectacular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, ooh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to say, despite all of our negative comments, I still recommend this issue. I think it's, you know, it's a necessary part of this ongoing storyline. And even though they effed up continuity badly with the Hobgoblin's appearance, I still, you know, I still enjoy this storyline. So I have fond memories of it. So I think it's good. Uh, Josh, you recommend it. Uh, I don't think I do. Whoa! I, I don't know. It's it's just it's just <laughs> fine, you know. I, right. I didn't I didn't super enjoy it, but it's not <clears throat> awful either. Okay, okay, whatever you say. Uh, GI <laughs> Jolie. It's really funny because I was like, uh, I hope someone else doesn't recommend this too because I can't either. Ooh, and that like, hurts. Whatever, this isn't the first time I haven't been able to. Usually I'm like, oh, whatever, it's part of, I mean, it's part of a, an overarching story and you can't miss it if you're a completist. But it's like, no, literally if you pulled this out of the pile, you wouldn't miss any beats. Ooh. There's nothing of consequence that Ouch. happens in this issue that didn't mm. already happen somewhere or isn't going to be recapped somewhere else. <sighs> okay, Bex Luther. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, my recommendation is in the form of an image that I'm going to send, and I will tell the audience how to search for this image. So I was just on the Marvel fandom wiki for this issue because I was like, oh, I just want to make sure I'm getting everyone's names and stuff right. You know how I do. Special research. And I was like, oh, interesting races. Demons. Okay. So we go to the marvel.fandom.com slash wiki slash demons page. <laughs> and for some reason, this is the first picture. And that's my recommendation, so. Oh my god, no, <laughs> that is a demon. Oh, oh my god. You, either I pick any of the demon's faces, or the green goblins. Goblin. I, 
I don't know why when you search up demons, you can, you have the history of demons in the Marvel Universe, and then the only other option is Earth 6799, which is where the original Spider-Man animated series takes place. <laughs> that looks great. That looks great. Um, Love it. It's very good. I might have a new phone background. Sorry okay. to Josh's Frogman. <laughs> and- you know, maybe this will be my desktop background. And, uh, okay, finally, Phil, do you recommend it? Uh, well, I'm going to stick with my original review, just based on absolutely no history whatsoever. Right. Uh, I think Don't it's, be a, it's a fun place to jump into. Right. But, you know, obviously, if you look at it in the larger picture, clearly it's uh, it's lacking. So uh, it's funny how completely different uh, you feel about something without having the uh, the full picture of it, Right. Mm-hmm. Right. The wet do you, blankets. Do you think that if anyway, I, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> if you pick this up off the newsstand, this would actually like um and you had no idea about Inferno, this would actually make you want to read more. Well, and right. the, yeah, and that's, that's exactly the, why I would recommend it. That's exactly okay. it. There you Julie, go. For sure. And that's the point at the yeah. 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 I mean, we we as readers will continue to keep reading logically, but they have cap. Mm-hmm. They have captivated an additional. Mm-hmm. So, I I'm not a big fan of this recommend or don't recommend. Kill I feel like we it. need. I know we need like a scale because <laughs> okay, like I don't, well, yeah. I don't like hate it. You know what I mean? I wouldn't put it with the rest of the Marvel yeah. team up that I didn't recommend. Well, I mean, you know I mean? We, we could just do one out of ten. That's what Flea Market Fantasy does. Yeah. You want us to change it to one out of ten? I don't know. We can... We'll change it up now, episode we'll, 151. We'll change it up. We'll, for the Not for this comic, but for the next comic. We'll give it a rating. But anyway. Okay, um, right. okay so that wraps up our web review. Now we're going to jump to Amazing Spider-Man uh, 313, which I bought off the stand because it had a great cover by Todd McCrawlin. And to summarize, we're going to go uh, with... Huh? Go ahead. Uh, I think this is one of the first comics I've ever read. <gasps> yeah, me too, actually. Really? Yeah. What, what are the chances? I, I'm pretty sure I actually have this comic book right now in my bedroom. Whoa. I, when I sat down to read this one today, I was like... I, the, the cover, like pushed me back like a like a egon or ego and ratatouille moment where i was like push i'm like oh my god i remember (laughs) holding this comic as a little kid you remember the smell of it (laughs) yeah here's the thing i mean mcfarland has strengths and weaknesses but he clearly knows how to draw the lizard Mm -hmm. on this cover the the spider-man's hands with the gloves ripped over the fingers and the hand and the way that the lizard is pulling his mask off, again, I had never seen anything like this when I was like 12 or 13 years old. Mm-hmm. It just blew my mind. So, yeah, I can guarantee the sales on this were high just for the cover, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but Do we know where the secret spider is on the cover? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, if you notice under McFarlane's name, it says two, which means there's two to look for. <gasps> really? Yes. Oh, that's I only that... found one. Yeah, I only so saw that... the one in his finger. So yeah, Phil McFarland uh, hides spiders on the covers. Oh, I see the other one. <clears throat> oh. So oh, okay. So if you look on the left on Lizard's sleeve on his mm-hmm. coat, there's right one above there. Spidey's hand. Mm-hmm. And then the other one's on his on um, the Lizard's finger above Spider-Man's right eye. His like ring finger. The lizard's ring finger on the right. Oh, yeah, I, oh, see, I see it. it. I see that it. One cool. Was a hard one. 
I I, I found that one and stopped looking. I didn't, real, I didn't yeah. realize there were two. That's, that's the other that's cool. joke on the cover of Spider-Man number one from 91. He puts like a question mark or something funny just because right. there's like a million of them. But anyway, uh, usually Bex Luther would review it. But instead, this is going to be reviewed by the already superhero Christian Beta Ray Phil. You've, oh. already got, you've already got a name, Phil. We just forgot. It's Beta Ray Phil. Anyway. Oh, good job. <laughs> <laughs> and he's technically not reviewing it because that's what we do after. He's summarizing it. Yes. Yeah. So, Phil, can you tell us what happened in this issue? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, like you said, it's Amazing Spider-Man uh, 313. And it's written by uh, David Michelini. Am I pronouncing that right? I'm not sure. It's Michelini. No way. Yep. Michelini. That would be the last way that I'd pronounce that. It's, it's, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michelini. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's, some yeah gorgeous it rhymes with art. pickle my knee. Anyway. <laughs> Great. Some gorgeous art by Todd McFarlane. Um, so in, in this issue, we catch up with Peter Parker and Mary Jane just as the city is besieged by some... Um, wicked flying giant sharks um and then so after peter beats down a shark in uh, a pretty awesome way actually uh he heads out uh to check on aunt may and uh and he kind of leaves the city to fend for itself uh, at this point so uh so after a bit of like a, a threes company style confusion uh, Spidey heads back out to Manhattan in search of Aunt May because he thinks she's gone looking for him. But little does he know, she's safe back at home. Uh, and then in his travels throughout the city uh, in search of uh, his aunt, he uh, he disposes of a gigantic balloon version of himself, which kind of <laughs> caught me off guard. <laughs> and then he also comes across uh, the lizard, also known as Dr. Kurt Connors, uh, who has lost control of the beast within and is now on a rampage to kill just about everything in his path, especially his ex-wife and son. <laughs> so he can rid himself, uh, apparently of all the humanity that's remaining inside of him. Uh, so, you know, in the end, uh, you know, Spider-Man makes quick work of, of getting the lizard to swallow an antidote. And, uh, Dr. Connors sends his family away for their own safety. Uh, while promising to keep up with his child support payments, which, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> it's a good, uh, it's definitely a line from the 80s. It must have been somebody going through something, uh, one of the writers perhaps, I don't know. Uh, so then uh, lastly, uh, Jack learns that Chrissy and Janet were at the Regal Beagle the whole time. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, uh, Spidey learns that uh, that May was safe the whole time. And then uh, the last page offers a teaser where Jonathan Caesar, who I don't know, uh, promises to bring on a living nightmare to his only love, Mary Jane. So very romantic ending. <laughs> yes. So that we'll explain. Win her heart. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It works yeah. for me. Uh, <laughs> the kidnapping didn't work the first time. So. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he previously kidnapped her for like a few months. So, but anyway. But yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, anyway. Uh, so yeah, here's the thing. I mean, let's let's not even talk about the art yet. Phil, just talk about David Michelinie's script on this one. What did you think of the story? Uh, well, uh, you know, some of it seemed to be kind of all over the place. Like I said, like I mentioned, you know, in, in there are certain times where you feel like Peter's just kind of 
looking out for his own, <laughs> but mm-hmm. he's not paying attention to those around him. Uh, I know that came up in the last one that we were talking about too. Uh, it seems to be a, a thing, at least in, in these issues here. But uh, I thought the script was uh, was pretty good. It was a little cheesy at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were a, a few things that kind of um, happened a little uh, a little too quickly or they were too convenient. Like the antidote, it, it seemed like in one panel he mixed up an antidote and was yeah. able to uh, to change this man around or to change this beast back into a man, however you want to look at it. So mm-hmm. I thought, oh, wow, that, that was quick and easy. I mean, you should just load that into a rifle and just shoot this guy next time. Um, and then the balloon spidey, where in the world, like what, I, I thought maybe I'd ask you guys about it because that just kind of took me for a loop. Where <laughs> in the world did that come from? And, you know, they, that all of that could have been used, it could have been used for, you know, uh, to expand the story in, in other ways. Um, you know, maybe kind of delve deeper into whatever was going on with, uh, with the, um, uh, what's his face there? Um, the, the lizard. Right, right. Well, the the balloon, the the origin of the Spidey balloon actually dates back all the way to the Amazing Spider-Man three thirteen. Uh, yeah, oh. it's never been brought up before. I have no <laughs> idea what the hell this is. What is happening? Say, isn't three thirteen? <laughs> yeah. It sure is. Just same, same with the two uh, two little kids from Texas that are vacationing in oh, New York that show yes, up for. I was going to mention that too. No reason, and their only appearances in any Marvel comic is uh, Amazing Spider Man three thirteen. Yeah, it's you know his first and only appearance. Here's the thing. I'll tell you right now. Knowing Todd McFarlane, he probably these are probably his nephews. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'll put you guys in this comic. He probably threw them in. It doesn't matter. You know, that's what he does. But also, uh, in New York, there is the, what is it, the Macy Day Parade? The Macy's yeah. Thanksgiving right. Day Parade. Okay, and that's what this Spider-Man balloon is. But I guess they just use it as a way to to show more inferno wackiness, right? Like mm-hmm. this balloon is possessed by the demons or whatever. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. The Spider-Man balloon is like synonymous with this parade at at right. some point. Like like the way that they have a big turkey for mm-hmm. some reason th- mm-hmm. there's like the balloons you want to see are like this one. They used to have like a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Mm. And uh Snoopy. That's it. Yeah. You know, big char- big pop right. culture characters. Yeah. The um, Rick Astley float. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Right. So, but I don't understand this. This issue is from March '89. Yeah. So yes. Okay. So are we assuming that they just like house them, inflated? I, th- I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's also. I think this would have been published in the fall, like this, like October, November. Okay. So it's even weirder, uh, but okay. yeah, whatever. Here's yeah. the thing. Uh-huh. I'll just say. This issue is on par with amazing, but it once amazing. again we have a we have a classic villain that comes back. You're super excited because you get to see Todd McFarlane draw him, and then the solution to the story is like Phil said, one panel of going, "Oh my God, I better mix this potion that I already had that already existed in previous mm-hmm. stories." Right? So very anticlimactic. That's what I thought. Uh, but GI Julie, what do you think of the script? Mm-hmm. I didn't mind it. The the balloon stuff was fun, and it was very, it was very jarring. Apparently, not only to us but to Spider Man, mm-hmm. to dispose of himself in balloon form. 
Like that's that was a big villain of this piece was like Spider-Man fought himself as an uh-huh. inflatable. It was fun. I thought that was fun. Yeah, it's fun. Um, <clears throat> I really liked the Kurt Connors stuff. I don't see. I feel like every time I see the lizard, even in the films, I'm like super underwhelmed by his inclusion. Right. And in this one, we get like we see his ex-wife. We see him try to dispose of his ex-wife mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. his son. Like so, so it's not just like some weird ploy to like get rid of his ex-wife. Um, we also see him try to like just kill his family because he's becoming a monster. That that was really fun. So, Julie, I want to ask you, what did you think about her? Like from his point of view, I could see see that but what about from her point of view i thought i thought like it's just it's so i don't know if it was like you know the 80s or what um but it's like just this idea that you know she will do anything to put this family back together even get back together with a monster and she even says at some point he's sane now (laughs) that was freaking hilarious (laughs) like she'll just do anything anything to get back together with him it's so weird because she's like oh that's it, it she will and she goes in there knowing that things are weird too. She's like, "Oh, this is a little off, but I'll still go." Like, <laughs> right? And I'll bring my son along. Yeah, like she doesn't sense. Usually, people are able to kind of sense a little bit danger, a, a little bit of danger. But she's like, "Oh, so many, so many weird things happen, and they all really add up to still being really strange." But I'm gonna do it anyway. Like, he wouldn't ne- normally ask us to meet him in the lab. Whatever, let's go. Like, <laughs> right. And then well, when she gets to be there, fair, she, hmm? to be fair, her husband does turn into a giant lizard. Mm-hmm. It's true. So how much more like is she like gonna say? Oh, that's strange. <laughs> like she's the only character. Like we were talking about this last issue. She's the only character who's like none of this is odd because <laughs> everything is odd. Yeah. So doesn't surprise me anymore. Yeah, and like so like she gets up there. She's still. He's a total lizard. Like, literal lizard. And she's like, no, he won't try to kill me. And then he does. And then she's like, no, it's fine. He won't kill his son. And he tries. Like, Mm. okay. (laughs) I just, I don't find a problem with that. I thought it was super entertaining. I just, I thought it was so funny how, like, utterly forgiving she was in in every respect. You know, it was like, I don't know. You know, here's the thing. We should point out quickly the Marvel style of writing. And we don't know for sure how this issue was created, but sometimes the artist, like the writer would write the script, the artist would draw it, and then sometimes the artist would change it enough that the writer had to kind of fit things together in a way that he didn't intend. And I know for a fact that the image artists, starting with McFarlane and then going to Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, they became so popular that they would just change whatever they wanted and they they could get away with it because the editors would side with them right so it's possible that the, that the story the way we see it is not exactly what david michelani intended you know mm-hmm. um so yeah or maybe yeah. david michelani wrote a story so bad that todd <laughs> mcfarlane you know made tried to short, fix it yeah try to fix it and it became more entertaining and more like bitey lizard because of it who knows it's definitely entertaining i definitely yeah i'll give you that but uh bex luthor what'd you think of the script in this one um it's a little on the ridiculous side of things. <laughs> okay. um 
especially love in the last issue the uh, Aunt May is like oh I'm gonna go into the inferno and find my nephew and then in this one at the very beginning she's like well the buses were running so <laughs> I was like are you kidding me I was so ready for Peter to be freaking out to find Aunt May fighting demons and then nothing well, like just time for a nap. don't put that at the end of the last one then they could have just just had a splash page yeah, but do see, something else. Th- this is what I mean: is it feels like s- either between the art and the story, or between the two different writers, somebody screwed up along the way, right? Like it, it, all this, like Three's Company bullshit with Aunt May, it doesn't add up, right? I was just thought, what's the purpose of him going and then coming back? Like that could have been taken out completely. Yeah, yeah. They need to write out Mary Jane so he doesn't have to save her again. <laughs> That's right. what's going on. <laughs> But, like, <sighs> it could have been Aunt May getting attacked by the giant Spider-Man balloon. Mm-hmm. Who are For these sure. kids? Like, yeah. it could have been also anybody we know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would have been It would have been way better if it was, like, the lizard that was like, I'm going to trap Spider-Man here to fight himself in the balloon, like, the demon balloon so I can get away and kidnap my family or... The family is the one that gets kidnapped and he tries to save him. And by saving him from the balloon, the lizard is able to like come in and swipe up, swipe up the the kid and the mom. Like, I don't know. It. Yeah. 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 I I, I did enjoy this one. I had fun reading it. But there were moments where I was just lost as to what, Mm -hmm. like why certain things were happening. Um Becca, were also, you done talking? I think I just kind of bulldozed you. I'm so sorry. I'm literally never done talking. You have to so shut sorry. me up. Um, the, other, the, the other thing I was really confused about is the shark a demon? Like the shark at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Because the, yeah, the demons... Well, yeah, but the demons are just... They're not. demons. No, imagine I mean, like, 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 like the demons so far, they haven't like turned into other things, have they? I, I see think what they you mean. Possessed and, things, and and also the, yeah. the shark bleeds, so it's like it's a real shark that's possessed. I guess yeah. yeah. So did they, is it like possessed from Sea World? But they don't have sharks in Sea World. Well, they have sharks somewhere, don't they? I don't know. Are there sharks in? I'm sure there's the an aquarium surrounding waters of New, New York? York. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, it is near the ocean, so isn't yeah. that what Jaws was about? Yeah. I was just very confused because I was like. They've possessed objects, but they have yet to possess living things. So where's this shark from? It also would Is have it been a way big giant balloon shark if it was like a skeleton shark. Mm-hmm. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. I was just confused. I was like, where'd the shark come from? <laughs> yeah, it was confusing. I like the way that he put away the shark, though. Yeah, that was, was that sequence was cool. Like he just kind of smashed it. It was pretty sweet. But yeah. I mean. Uh, it was just completely thrown in, you know. It's like, uh, what do you call that? That lead scene in, in like a, a TV show. It just seemed like that, but completely disconnected from the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to point out the potion that Spider-Man or Peter Parker, or whatever, first uh, uses on the lizard was first developed in Amazing Spider-Man number six. So they're definitely going over old ground here. Okay. Mm. But I want to talk about the main reason that approximately 800,000 people bought this comic when it came out, including me, the art. 
Uh, Phil, this is the first time you've ever seen Todd McFarlane art. What would you say is your impression here? Oh, I loved it. Just immediately just loved it. You know, I, I love, um, I, I just, I love the way that the lines are drawn. I, I love the, it just, it just kind of jumps right off the page a hundred percent. I just love, uh, uh, you know, not only that, but just the way that it's colored mm-hmm. just seems yes. like, you know, when you think of like, you know, the, the definition of comic book, you just think of this is in my mind, what I think of when I, uh, when I look at these pages. So mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. Well, yeah. And there's so many, again, this was when McFarlane was really hitting a stride. Uh, there's so many standout pages on, in this comic, like the first appearance of the lizard is great, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, Spider-Man swinging through the suburbs with the trees. Even that's a great shot with the spaghetti webbing. Even even uh, Kirk Connor's mother or wife and son driving through the city. These little touches. Now again, I, oh, I, that's an excellent point. Actually, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, well, I was going to say, I grew up thinking McFarlane invented all these techniques. He technically got a lot of them from uh, Art Adams and Michael Gold and Frank Miller, but he put them all together in one style. And the car driving with the the circles on the headlights and then the 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 wide shot of the car streak you know driving down the street that's not something most artists would do with the streaks of lines you know to show the motion mm-hmm. that's just it just adds so much to it and then the heavy shadows on the mother's face but what were you gonna say phil i was gonna say yeah as soon as you mentioned uh, the wife that's what really stood out to me too he has a really great eye for for expressing uh emotion through through detail uh, and when you look at the wife's face, you, you don't even have to read what's happening in the story. You know exactly the emotion that she's feeling in that moment. And it's really, it's great. It just comes across so well. Well, you know, and that uh, that brings us to the next page where I believe this is a technique Jim Steranko invented or whatever. But the, the giant face with the little panels behind her, like you just said, Phil, look, you see it. He's, uh, Kirk Connors is looking at the lizard, the next panel he's got the lizard arm the next panel he's the lizard so we know exactly what she's thinking about and we know exactly how she feels about it and that's great mm-hmm. um, can we go to look at the next page though uh spider-man standing there yeah because mm-hmm. this might be one of the first times i was a little confused reading hit some of his scenes okay I'm a big fan of Todd McFarlane. I love his storytelling uh-huh. through his art, but there were this is the first time I think reading so far that I've been like, wait, what is supposed to be happening right now? Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. the the shot of the the house and Spidey, and then then cutting over to Empire State University and the demon guard like showing up out of nowhere and then right after that i'm like they're in a library like when did when did they get into the library and then why did the demon like make the cards come to life instead of like turning into a demon and getting them and then we like hard cut to two kids we've never met before yeah and we're like supposed to be like oh yeah we know these boys we know these boys in the big spider-man balloon that wants to eat them this is the yeah, first Jason time. Clements and Troy Tyro <laughs> you know Troy Tyro uh yeah this is the first time I was like lost reading you know but again it's one of those stuff. things if you look at it, you can figure it out, but there's a difference between being able to figure it out and it being clear and exactly. it's not clear. And the thing mm-hmm. is, is 
I mean, on one hand, like if you look at this shot of Spidey uh, standing there, it's okay. I love how the next panel, it's a gigantic skinny panel of like the buildings at the top and the people at the bottom. You see that? Mm -hmm. And you know that McFarlane had to draw the perspective lines for a full wide <laughs> shot, but right. he just used that little tiny yeah. sliver. I think that's so freaking cool. It's so creative, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. The, even though I was lost at times, uh, it, it's he still uses so many like creative things and right. fun moments to tell stories. Um, uh, and I still loved all the art in this issue. But yeah, right. that was I think the first time where I was like, I am confused. I thought maybe we were sent the wrong issue, and I went back <laughs> to be like, there's, uh, "There's these boys have got to do something." What what's right, going on with right, these boys? Right. And I'm like, "No, he, Mike sent us the right issues." <laughs> right, it's happened before. But okay, yeah. but let's quickly jump to the fight scene because I just want to talk about. Uh, I mean, the, again, the fight scene is supposed to be the climax of the issue, but basically, Spider-Man's confronted. He confronts the lizard. He he William Shatner double kicks him in the back. Then he knocks like a bookcase over onto him, and then he's down and out. He makes the potion that he already created. Uh, then Lizard is all of a sudden on a different floor. He crawls up the wall. He confronts him again. He throws the potion in his mouth. Now, I got to admit, that, that shot of him throwing the potion in his mouth is excellent. Again, great motion. The line works great. Mm -hmm. Then then the like you see the, the next panel, he's kind of like, um, what's that called? Like hunching over or whatever. But then I love how the next panel, the lizard's face is behind panel two, but his hand is in front of panel two. It's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. Like that kind of shit. Again, no one else was doing it at the time. Ugh. Anyway, and then the anticlimax of like, oh, the potion didn't work, so I'm gonna electrocute him. He electrocutes <laughs> him, and then in the next panel, he's already Kurt Connors. And again, McFarlane's doing his best. Like he's doing like the drama. He knows how to do well the melodrama, I guess you'd say. But like, he, you know, he's like he's like all sweaty, and then stay away. Like the long black panel, very cool. But it's just like it feels like everything's so rushed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I blame the writer when I was reading it. I didn't. Um, I didn't blame. Uh, McFarlane necessarily uh, I mean obviously they have to work together but it, it felt like you know the story was there and then you know he had to kind of cobble some things out, right. of, out of whatever existed in the story uh, although you know obviously the question remains as to why certain elements in the story were even left in there uh, or even proposed in the first place but well yeah again I think it's a little bit of both they're both covering each other's tracks a little bit i think but i mean because you know you can read other uh david michelini stories by different artists and mm -hmm. i think he's pretty he's not a genius writer but he's pretty accomplished and pretty straightforward whereas i've also read many mcfarland stories where again he gets all the melodrama and like the histrionics but sometimes the continuity is not there you know between panels so mm -hmm. but anyway but who knows for sure but anyway, what do you give this out of seven, Josh? I mean, ten. Seven. <laughs> I didn't want to answer for you. Four point six eight out of seven. Um, yeah. <laughs> out of ten, maybe like a six. Probably a six. Um, okay. It's got some really fun stuff. I love the fight with the balloon. Um, it's weirdly set up and doesn't fit in the story, but that's definitely the best scene. It's it's great i love that he like tries to like punch it it's just a balloon so it's like bouncing back so he's like okay i gotta right. find something that's like sharp enough so he takes the 
the point off the Chrysler building, I believe. And then like jumps from the Chrysler building and stat like pops it. It's super fun. Uh, the lizard looks so good in this issue. Um, uh, there's great stuff with that. Spidey swinging around the city is great. So there's like there's some fun things. I think it's a little messy here and there, but yeah, six. All right, Jolie. Um. <laughs> Out of ten? Out of seven. I'm kidding. Out of, out of ten. Out of ten. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. It's um, a litmus test. <laughs> so, I guess I give it a. F- I don't. I don't know how to rate this, because I've just been sitting here thinking about the art <clears throat> and the Spider-Man balloon. Like the Spider-Man balloon is like the key to this issue. Um, the Spider-Man balloon makes me second guess all of my ideas of Tom McFarlane's training on anatomy. I don't know. I've, I've created my own theories while we're talking and I can't even rate this. I'm so, I'm so deep in my own con- Tom McFarlane conspiracy theories. Interesting. Okay. Look at the anatomy though of that balloon. It's correct. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And <laughs> anyway. then you think he had reference from the actual Spider-Man yeah. balloon? <laughs> Maybe he should have used humans for the rest of the the comic. But anyway, um, but I guess I give this a five point eight. Okay, five point eight out of seven. Okay, Becca. Yeah, sure. Read it. Okay, <laughs> mom. I like the Kirk huh? Connors stuff. Yeah, Lizard's cool. Um, pretty unfortunate what happens to his family later, but you know. <laughs> All right, Beta Ray. Rough, rough, rough gone, bud. Phil, what do you give it, Phil? Uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with the, the crew here and say a good six. Okay. Yeah, maybe you guys should have like two scales, so it's like one for art and then one for story. Mmm. Yeah, I mean I would give the art an eight and the story a six. Yeah. But, but it's the it's the merging yeah. of the two that makes the comic book. Which is a right? seven. Sure. True. There you right. go. Which is a seven. Yeah. It's the, it's a, it's a seven, but it's it's like a flawed seven. You know what I mean? Right. It's like it's like a so it's, a six. It's it's like no, <laughs> it's not quite no. It's like a seven, but like, worse. Here's the question, Becca: Is it a is it a really good six or is it a really bad eight? It's kind of like is it a so really good seven. comic? Yeah, exactly. See? A six plus. You can do decimals. I'll give it a seven. Okay, anyway. the real the real question is, what are your fan casts for Jason Clemens and Troy Tyro in the MCU? Because that's all uh, I can think about. Okay, you know what? I have to <laughs> two solve- of those Stranger Things kids, right? right yeah, They're yeah, in yeah. Everything. Okay, guys, I looked it up, and this is their first and only known appearance. Yeah. Those two kids. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we mentioned it. So um, okay. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah we did. Josh, Josh but did. I thought I didn't know it was official though. But okay, yeah. I didn't know you looked on yeah. like the website. Yeah. Wouldn't it's... it be hilarious though if somebody resurrected those characters? Grant Morrison. Too bad he stopped writing. <laughs> exactly. I know comics, but like he is the exact type of writer who would resurrect those two kids and make them important or superpower them. I agree. Based on this I event agree. that happened, it's like oh well. During the events of Inferno, they. They became demons, but they were good demons, and yep. they are now right. like world hopping demons. One of them was like inspired by the big balloon and became like a clown superhero. The other guy was a, was afraid of them, so he became like like a sewing needle superhero that always pops balloons. 
The tack. I'm the tack. <laughs> okay, anyway. It's such a useless yeah, I don't, power. You know what? I don't know if you can do anything with that. Um, okay, so we are going to move on to the right. final comic of the night. Oh! What? It was, um, these two kids won a contest to be in a Spidey comic. See? I knew it. Oh, okay, that's kind of I didn't say that, but I still knew it. Uh, where did you find that? Uh, internet. Oh. Internet. I'm just like, oh, other people cool. were blogging about this issue, and some mm. they were like, oh, seems like a weird in-joke, and they're like, oh, update, uh, the, the guy commented and sa- said that it, it was me. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. That's cool. Whatever. Okay, that's it's fine. Cool. It's fine. It didn't right, stand out to me. It didn't bother me. Um, that's a little. But better. anyway. That's why they're fully named. Then. Yeah, that's what right. I That makes more sense. <laughs> I you know what? I hope those children were so happy. I actually, I changed my mind. That part's great now yeah, that I know that it was two real children. I agree. That's pretty cool. got to be in the cool. comic. Mm-hmm. How cool would that have been? Okay, now we're going to talk about <laughs> Spectacular Spider-Man 148. And this is my... I'm going to summarize this one. So, again, for Phil, just so you know, Ned Leeds, at this point in continuity, was known as the original Hobgoblin, okay? So Ned ah. Leeds, yeah, he first appeared in the 60s as a supporting character, and then as they like to do in Spidey, they like to tie in the villains with... The supporting cast and so they revealed after four years that the hobgoblin was actually ned leeds but then about five years later the original writer who created hobgoblin came back and said actually that was my not my original intent my original intent was to have him be revealed to be roderick kingsley so he put out a new story and they revealed that it was actually not ned leeds it was roderick kingsley but at this point as far as everyone knows ned leeds was the original hobgoblin and his wife his widow is um Betty, Betty Brant, who is she in the movies? Yeah, she's in one she's of the in movies. The, to- the Tobey Maguire movies, yeah. Who's she played by? Uh, Elizabeth Banks. Oh, that's right. She's also in the the um, Tom Holland ones. Yeah, she's sort the of blonde girl, right? Right. You remember that's her, right, Phil? With uh, Ned, actually. Um, kind of. <laughs> in the, I have a faint memory yeah. okay <laughs> Phil's in like the, wait Elizabeth Banks was in those Spider-Man movies I remember Elizabeth Banks but I remember her role was super minor though wasn't it it was very small yeah she has like yeah. the black bob in the movie and she works for the bugle right yeah, like yeah. JJ's like secretary or something like that that's right yeah yeah <sighs> anyway okay <laughs> so anyway um <laughs> Here, I'm actually finding a picture of her just because I want to look at her. But anyway, okay, so we'll look at Spectacular Spider-Man. So on the cover, we have Spidey mm-hmm. coming up from the grave as a zombie. In the background, we have Ned Leeds. We have Ned, uh, Gwen Stacy. And the title of this book is Night of the Living Ned, which is obviously a play in Night of the Living Dead. So we open up this issue with a zombie coming out of the ground and scaring the crap out of Betty Brant. And Betty Brant has been having some problems lately well basically she can't accept the death of her cousin or cousin of her ex-husband oh <laughs> i'm sorry her dead husband <laughs> her actual ex-husband. husband never an ex yeah never an ex-husband despite her, husband, her cheating on him anyway yes with flash thompson who's here right now flash and i don't know and you know flash thompson right phil 
Flash Thompson was the bully. Yeah, from... at first I thought they were referring to the Flash, and then I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about Flash and Spidey. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so basically, so he's there to comfort her and quiet, Jolie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's sad. Do you know how many times I've seen those movies and he's fought Flash, and it's just like I don't know why it took so long for it to click in, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's Flash doing here again? When is he put on his costume? I know, anyway. right? Um, Ridiculous. So anyway, so then we get this little moment that calls so much attention to itself. We know it has to come back later in the plot. But um, Betty talks about how she has a, um, what's it called? Like a, a gas heater, right? Mm. And Flash is like, oh my God, if you leave that on, you could cause a gas leak and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so then we cut away back to Conf- uh, Inferno and we see that New York is still, you know, being attacked by demons and demons are right outside their apartment and uh, it, again, it's actually, I didn't even know this till now, but it actually becomes a Night of the Living Dead-esque situation where Flash is boarding up the uh, walls and windows of this apartment building, just like happened in the original Night of the Living Dead, which is really cool. I didn't notice that. Um, but we should point out for uh, listeners that don't know that Flash Thompson hates Peter Parker. Flash Thompson used to bully Peter Parker, but he always loved Spider-Man. So he's like Spider-Man's number one fan. So when he goes up to this roof, he thinks he's seeing his hero. He's like, hey, what's going on, Spidey? And Spider-Man just punches him in the jaw, right? And starts beating the crap out of him. Meanwhile, back inside the apartment, Betty Brant sees a zombie of Ned Leeds who comes in and starts chasing after her. Uh, And she's like running away and running away. And there's all this narration. Then like evil Spidey um, webs up Flash Thompson and he's like, you know, you annoy me. You make me want to barf. And he's like all trying to get inside of his head. And then he like swings away. And then Betty Brant starts having hallucinations now of like a ghost Ned leads. And then this is the moment where Betty Brant turns her life around, right? She's like, that's it. Suddenly I don't care. Ned was right. I've depended on others for too long and it nearly destroyed my life. No more. I finally get it. I'm on my own. So now Betty Brant is going to like, you know, stand, stand up for herself. Meanwhile, outside, evil Spidey gets attacked by Flash Thompson. Flash Thompson rips off his mask and underneath is another Spider-Man face. So obviously this is a demon Spider-Man. It's not the real Spider-Man. So they keep wrestling, wrestling. Betty goes back in and she finds that gas heater that we referred to earlier and the demon comes in, or, or sorry, the zombie comes in, and she basically says, stop pretending whatever you are, I know you're not Ned. So now she finally realizes this is not her dead husband. He turns back into like his actual appearances, which is more like a demon. Then B- Betty um, turns on the gas heater, and then just at that moment, lightning strikes the antenna outside of the building where Spidey, evil Spidey, and Flash are wrestling, they get knocked off the top of the building and they magically swing into the apartment where Betty is confronting the demon. Uh, you know, fisticuffs happens and then she takes the gas heater and smashes it into the demon's like chest. And the demon's like, hmm. And then she runs out and she's turned the gas on and w- one of the demons looks at the other and it's like, say, do you hear? And we see the sound effect, hiss. And then a big explosion which kills everyone in the building, <laughs> 25 people dead. Uh, and then Flash Thompson runs out, <laughs> hugs Betty Brand. She's A-OK. She's crying. She's happy. They look out, and magically at that exact moment, Inferno ended because we've read X-Factor number 38. We know that. 
And then basically everything is all good. We see Spider-Man swing by on the sun is coming up. And then Flash says, uh, you know, not quite alone. We had help. Not from any hero out there in the world. We had help from the only hero we ever really need. The hero we carry inside. Oh, and everything makes sense. And little Michael loved the story <laughs> and ate it up. And I love this issue. I love Sal Buscema. And, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe not as good as the previous one, but I thought it was really good. But, Phil, I want to get your impression. What did you think of Spectacular Spider-Man 148? Uh, well, yeah, I thought it was pretty good, too, actually. And, yeah, I caught the uh, the Night of the Living Dead thing. Uh, obviously, it's called Night of the Living Ned. Um, but, yeah, the, the <laughs> setup is, is really, uh, you know, very close, right? Um, you know, I, 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 it's funny because at first I really liked the narration it felt very sort of noir it felt very sort of you know uh, mickey spillane you know the way that they were going through it right but then as it progressed through the book it's like there was a lot of narration but not a lot going on in the pictures and at first that kind of bugged me i was like well you know they could have probably used that space to kind of explore a little bit more right uh and especially after reading what was the other one that we read? The first one, that web of Spider-Man. It was just madness, right? Right, <laughs> just right, right. Fitting all that stuff into into one book, um, or one issue. But um, you know, I think it kind of it kind of worked uh, in its own way because this is the one out of the three that kind of stuck with me the most, and maybe perhaps because it was kind of like uh, Night of the Living Dead. You right. know, it had that George Romero kind of humor in it. Um, you know, and you know, some, some things, you know, seemed a little bit off in the story, but I thought that, you know, um, you know, like, uh, the idea of, of them fighting these demons, you know, it just felt kind of a little bit cheesy at times, but I kind of really got, you know, where they were taking it, you know, it has that sort of monster in the house approach, uh, same as the movie. Right. And, you know, we kind of get a glimpse of. Um, you know, real people and what their real fears are. And in right. this way, they sort of manifested with these with these demons. And then, you know, you see what these regular people in these extraordinary circumstances, then what do they do in order to fight against these demons? So kind of a, a, a very big play, obviously, on the, on the early movie. And uh, I thought it was well done. And I'm actually embarrassed I didn't notice the connection, like the plot connection until now. I feel like an idiot. But anyway... <laughs> uh, we'll come back to it more later. But so, did you have any trouble like following as far as like the characters and everything, and who is who, or? Um, yeah, a, a little bit at first, uh, but then it then you know it it became pretty pretty clear what was going okay. on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh, Josh, what did you think? I loved it. I really <laughs> really liked this issue. Um, uh-huh. uh, I think. There, there's a couple of small things that I would change. It's not a perfect issue, but mm-hmm. it's definitely the one I had the most fun reading uh, right. this week. Uh, as far as I know, Betty and Gwen were never friends in the comics. I can't find a time where they were together or they met. That's so it's totally possible. Really yep. weird that Gwen Stacy, like, like this feels like this should be Peter's nightmare and not mm-hmm. betty so especially since spidey comes out of the grave as well um Good so point. like that that part i was a little like 
again, that's very like small and nitpicky. That doesn't change the story if they just take yeah. out two of the zombies. But I don't know why it stuck out to me as being something that was weird. Um, and then the, some of the dialogue for the <laughs> for the demons was just ridiculous. Like when, like when the 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 demons got the the heater in his stomach, and the other one turns to him and says, "Say." Do you hear that? I see, like, adjust his monocle, like, <laughs> yeah. why? I do say yeah. there is a hissing noise happening. <laughs> it's some of, the, some of the dialogue felt really dated for some reason in this issue, but uh, I really like focusing on Peter's secondary characters. I love that they don't have to have Spidey show up and punch somebody to save the day at the end. It's just these two characters stuck in this shitty situation, dealing with these like events that are happening throughout the entire Marvel universe at the moment. And kind of like seeing how they're going about uh, this in the building. Uh, and they have to like improvise weapons and like figure out how to save themselves. That's super fun. And I, I really like seeing these two, two characters together. Um, Right. Uh, I I had a lot of fun. All right, GI Jolie, what'd you think? Oh yeah, I really like this a lot. Um, a lot more than I should. The moment that the demons were like talking to each other, okay, and we're like, oh, let's let's mess with these humans. I was like, yeah, this is the best. <laughs> this is great, and like, uh, th- this is probably exactly what I would assume would happen in an event title. Right. This one captured the spirit of Inferno the best. So it's like, okay, what's happening? Inferno is happening or the events of Inferno are affecting New York city. We know that Spider-Man and friends live in New York city. What would happen be happening to them while Inferno is happening without Mm -hmm. us having to show Daredevil or the X-Men this is what would be happening. Like, this is what would be happening to Betty and the Fla- and Flash. The F- right. I always call him The Flash. But um, I'm having a fill problem. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is exactly what I expect. Because we know that Inferno means demons in New York. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what they gave us, was demons in New York. Are we back to Jerry Conway again? No. Yeah, it's Jerry Conway again. Yeah. Okay, great. Same writer as Webb, yeah. I agree with Josh. Uh, it's not perfect. Like, Gwen Stacy coming out of the grave is weird. <laughs> right, um, right. But having them, uh, having the demons sort of split Ned, uh, Betty, and Flash up, and to separate them and to have like this weird nightmarish hell come up. Like we already know that Betty is dealing with um, her own personal mental health issues. This was probably the best portrayal of her mental health issues since the death of her husband. Right. Right. And her dealing with it and not being a complete basket case about it. Right. Right. Unable Mm -hmm. to handle her mind. Right. Right. Up until this point, the way that her mental illness was treated and written was written as if the people who were writing it had never experienced trauma or someone with a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But sure. this, this seems 
like I mean they paired it with horror as well which is usually what I, I'm not you know I'm not an expert but I feel like uh, mental illness hallucinations and horror kind of go hand in hand and they kind of help solve the the problems of the plot really well right when you have to write a horror plot and like can I say how scary this comic looked? Yikes. Mm-hmm. Like the You want to talk about our pal, Sal Busema? Well, not until we hear from Becca. But... Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. So we'll get to that in a minute. Again. It's fine. No, 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 no. Go ahead, Becca. <laughs> no, you want to talk about Sal. Let's talk about Sal. Let's, let's go. <laughs> our pal, Sal. What am I? Um... <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Becca. No, yeah. No, I'm, I just agree with everyone. I think the best part of this, and I don't think Spectacular has done this in a long time, is this is one story and mm. it's just one thing happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one event. We're not checking on Robbie Robertson halfway through to come back to, like, zombies attacking Betty Brant. This is just Flash and Betty. They do split up at one point, but it, they, they started together and they end together, and mm-hmm. it's just what's happening to them in this apartment in this 20 minutes, and I love that. Mm-hmm. More of that. I just want more, like... Oh, is Kingpin fighting demons? No, I want more of, like, just one person's story at a time. Right. (laughs) Please. Mm. Agreed. Yeah, this one's great. I love the turmoil. And, I mean, to be fair, I feel like Betty should be a little more guilty about cheating on Ned, though. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like, Flash is there. Like, zombie Ned doesn't doesn't go, oh, don't you love me, Betty? Zombie Dance and I were like, you left me for that jock, which she should have been angry about, but, it, but, but besides that, it yeah. just add to the add to the trauma and the guilt of her husband dying and, mm. and all of that stuff, but besides that, I did enjoy it. Um, I do also like how this is how we see the end of Inferno for in the Spider-Man story. It's right. just this part like it's not it has nothing to do with peter it has nothing to do with hobgoblin and right it's in fact spider-man is not in this issue until the last page when he just swings by weird yeah, that's it yeah very weird <laughs> interesting does anyone know how I, inferno actually ends well i read it when i was 13 yeah. i thought it was the greatest story ever written so <laughs> Daredevil okay, so sucks up yes. all the demons with a vacuum, I think. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, you weren't that's it. kidding uh, about that? No, he, do- he does fight a vacuum. He does fight a vacuum, yeah. No, I don't remember exactly what happened, but there, there's two stories going on at once. But, you know, remember uh, Anya Taylor-Joy from New Mutants? Yeah. Magic. Magic. Her character, Magic, does something with a demon. I don't remember what. She... Something happens. She defeats the demon, reverts back to being a little girl. A baby, yeah. Cause right? Then the demon uses ex-babies, right? Yeah. And then in, <laughs> in, in, in X-Men... In best story ever written. Uh, yeah, it's the best story ever written at the time. And then, and then, and then, and then a New Mutants and, or sorry, an X Men X Factor. They can they fi- they finally confront Madeline Pryor, who was Jean Grey's duplicate, who became yeah, the Goblin, Goblin Queen. Queen. Phil, you can see why I thought it was the best story ever. Right? And they have anyway. to save sure. Nathaniel yeah. Summers, right? He's in. He's part of that. Is he? Uh, because he's a baby. David I don't Cable? remember if he's in that. 
Is he? Isn't isn't? Oh, he? he must be. He must be. But this is not where he gets sent to the future. That's later on. No, no, this is yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's like, um, isn't Madeline st- th- like want to to steal him away? Because she's like, oh, it's my baby, but it's Jean's baby. Are they talking about T.S. Eliot or Chris Claremont? I can't tell. That's what Phil's thinking right now. Okay. (laughs) It's so weird. I asked one question and I got answers. Yet I have so many more questions. Yeah, exactly. Um... No one knows how Inferno ended anyway. uh, No, even Inferno doesn't know if it's ended or not. I'm trying to... I'm reading the page here, and I'm just like... X-Baby? It says that they rescue them, and then the X-Mansion gets destroyed. Holy shit. They also fight Mr. Sinister at some point? Yes, this is also the the first (laughs) major appearance of Mr. Sinister. It's a very good story. You should read it. God, Mr. Sinister is just awful. Anyway. Um, Okay, well, while you're doing your research, Becca... Phil, Thank you. I want, I want to, I'll leave you to it. Phil, I want to know your opinion on the art in this issue. Oh, yeah. I thought the art was great. It just grabbed you the, the cover uh, and, and then all the, the horror stuff. Uh, I just I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, really well done. You know, like I said, the, the only thing um, that perhaps they could have done a, a little bit more is, is kind of, I don't know, not stretch it out so much. I remember there's this one sequence where, like, they go to board up. I think it's her. She she goes to board up uh, some of the windows or something, and it's like I don't know seven panels of her walking around, you know, with wood in her hands. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> that's the only kind of thing that sticks out. But otherwise, <laughs> like, but when you think about it in in the context of like uh, the movie and the mood that they're trying to build, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe that's exactly why this issue stood out in my head is because they took their time. And right. because they didn't, you know, try and fill it with too much information, it just kind of, it creates mood and, and you just kind of feel your way through it. Right. Well, you know, and I mean, I have sung the praises of Salvi Sema many times on the show, but I'll sing them again. He's a classic Marvel artist, you know, like he's one of, like John Buscema literally wrote the book on how to draw comics the Marvel way, but this is John Buscema's younger brother and he's not as good an artist, but he's just as good a storyteller. And this is his later period when he started getting more angular, harsher, detailed lines. But I love this era of, like I could read any comic drawn by Sal Buscema just because he drew it. And this, I think in this issue, it shows how, perfect he is with this subject matter right like almost like horror i think it's perfect for his style so yeah i love this issue the art um mm-hmm. did anyone else want to say anything about the art i mean i know we talk about salvi summer every week so it's kind of hard to say something new but uh, yeah I'll, I'll just kind of echo what you guys said i think that his style really lends itself to the horror vibe of this uh this comic and mm-hmm. um yeah i, I really enjoyed how this one looked particularly probably more so than Todd McFarlane this week just oh, because yeah. just because I think the Shots story fired. and the art just work so great together in this issue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like when the demon comes into the kitchen and there's a big close up on his face like that's mm-hmm. perfect horror art right there it's great him like appearing mm-hmm. in the window and then crashing through is yeah fantastic yeah. Mm-hmm. Whew. 
Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Inferno's over. The Hobgoblin saga is over for now. Um, but I can... Uh, so I think everyone's done the review. Becca, did you have anything you wanted to add from your research? Uh, <laughs> I de definitely didn't get distracted and I'm not now on... Okay, everybody, turn in your homework assignment. Slash, slash frogs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, she's on okay, to something it, else. Look, All right, look, Spider Ham did a Inferno, um, Inferno parody. It's called Bear Inferno, and then I got distracted by the frogs. Okay, look, Bear I'm only Ferno? one man, and I don't. That's not even a pun, is it? No, no. Bear Inferno is not even a pun. But anyway, no, but why not a like Inferno or something, and it's a big rabbit or. But anyway, okay, so I guess, oh, we still have to give it a number rating. You know what? I give this one an eight. This is definitely an eight. It's the best of the bunch for this week. Agreed. Uh, Josh, eight. what do you think? Eight. Awesome. G.I. Jolie? 8.5 out of seven. Ooh. <laughs> Bex Luthor? Also an eight. Beta Ray Phil? 11. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would agree with Jolie on this one. 8.5. Wow! It's ex extra marks for for making me rethink um, the the storyline on this one. Yeah, I liked it, De and definitely the one that that sticks with you this week for sure. Y yes, and I I will point out that when I was a kid, Amazing Spider-Man was the one I was most excited about at the time. But now that I'm rereading them as an adult, Spectacular is definitely my favorite of the bunch. I like every week. So there you go. Uh, that wraps up our review of Spider-Man comics from what month is March. this? March, March 1989, but it probably came out in November, or December, uh, 88, but that's okay. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, we want to thank Beta Ray Phil for joining us for the third time. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me guys. This was awesome. Always good to see you. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We'll definitely have you on again sometime for sure, soon. Yeah. Uh, and we want to thank G.I. Jolie and Bex Luther for joining us. You're welcome. Yeah. Woo. Sorry I spent the last half looking up pictures of Prowse. <laughs> That's fine. Don't be sorry. Reader. <laughs> but sorry. just assume that if I'm not talking, that's what I'm doing. Someone's right. got to do it, right? Might as well be you. And uh, Josh, you can take it from here. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, it really helps when you leave us a review or comment on any of our things, letting us know what you think about the podcast, and let us know what you guys think about the comics we're talking about. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. You can find us anywhere at the Comic Book Syndicate. Uh, our podcast is available wherever podcasts can be found. Um, please keep in touch, and let's keep that comics conversation going. And until next Monday, see you later. Later.